The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. <clears throat> Welcome to our Mother's Day edition, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, hope everyone is having a fantastic day. Chris. Yes. What do you want to talk about? Uh, hockey. Lacrosse. Hockey, hockey, hockey. <laughs> I think I've heard of that. Let me uh, let me check my well, note. Well, for a hundred and a hundred and sixty-eight episodes now, we've been talking hockey. So unless we've got the wrong sport, we're kind of screwed. <laughs> Hockey—that's the one with the orange ball uh, that you throw through those that big upright, like half of an H. Yeah, orange. All right, now you've lost me. <laughs> or dark, or oddly odd brown. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so what, what is there to talk about today? I'm sure there must be something. Ah, uh, hmm. Uh, looking at the list of things. What is this about keeping it local? Oh, uh, I thought you would never ask. Um, the... National Women's Hockey League had their draft recently. Yeah, the young lady from Boston University was the number one overall pick. Uh, and Sam, go ahead, Sam. Sam Davis was it? Sam. Ah, forgive me, I forget her last name. Sammy. Uh, yeah, it is Sammy Davis. It um, is Sammy Davis. Okay, Sam Davis. She was selected I not. She was selected number one overall out of BU and is going all the way down the street to the Boston Pride. Wow, that's a heck of a drive. Yeah, I mean, she's going to have to get used to, you know, turning right or possibly left. And Do they not the play in the same building? Um, you could be right on that. I think they, I want to say they play their games in the Agana Center. I'm not, sh- don't quote don't me on right. it. Uh, they were. Um, I don't, hmm. we'll have to look at that later, but um the Whitecaps uh, completely upstaged them in the keeping it local department. Uh, the Whitecaps are, of course, uh, out in Minnesota. And they picked three women from uh, from Minnesota schools. Um, their first round pick, uh, Alex Woken. Their second round pick, Patty Marshall. Um, and their fourth round pick, Haley Mack from Bemidji State. The other two, they went really, really far away in uh, Presley Norby in the third round at Wisconsin and Madden Rowe, uh, Maddie Rowe, also from Wisconsin in the fifth round. Interesting. Uh, just a quick update on that. I, I searched it and apparently they are moving. Uh, to another building that's actually familiar to us. They are moving to the Warrior Ice Arena for the next two years. Uh, yes, because uh, uh, the Warrior Ice Arena, I mean, desperately hard to find and um, not known yeah, to anyone. That that funny-looking building off of, the, off of the pike there, yeah. Mm-hmm. With a train station very <laughs> nearly directly beneath it. Yeah. But Sammy Davis, yeah. So Sammy Davis not having to go far. 
Um, wait, how many of the picks did we list? Did you list there? Are, are All staying five. close to? Wow. I mean, is it is it a question of of uh, funding and they can't do a lot of scouting outside of their own areas, or is this just? No, I. Why bother I, going crazy for? Why bother going crazy finding talent elsewhere when there's damn good talent right down the street? I I, I think some of it is pure. Some of it is local bias. Some of it is marketing. Um, you know, the women's hockey fans in the area are already familiar with these uh, with these women. Um, in both both in Boston and in Minnesota. Um, and you've got uh, and the other thing is is. As fast and as much as the women's sport is growing, the talent pools are still not quite as deep as on the men's side. Um, a lot of, I mean, just as there's a lot of uh, men uh, NHL players or NHL drafted players that come out of you know Hockey East and the um, what is it uh, WCHA. Um, and the ECAC, this is, uh, for Wisconsin, um, uh, for the white caps, they drafted exclusively from the WCHA on the women's side. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a confluence of events. Um, cause they've drafted other players. Sure. But they're also by, uh, by drafting, players who already know each other they're getting chemistry from the word go they're getting that sense of familiarity and um camaraderie that is important to a lot of teams so uh, another another check mark in their corner by the way would you care to guess which two teams were playing for the isobel cup which is the championship uh, for the NWHL? I'm going to go way out on a limb, way, uh-huh. out, way, way out to the tip where it quivers at a thought, much less a breeze, mm-hmm. and say that it might have been the White Caps and uh, the Terriers. Well, the Pride. The White Caps but and the Pride, rather. Sorry. There you go. Uh, that would be correct, sir. Yes, unfortunately, it was also postponed, but... If the two teams that are drafting and they're drafting that kind of talent that close to home, and yet they're playing in their respect in the, in their respective championship, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe we maybe we shouldn't question them so much. I'm I not going to question them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, your, your top two teams, and okay, there aren't a lot of teams. I get it. They you know, but they're working on expansion. They just as we talked about. Uh, two weeks ago, I believe it was, or last week, we talked about yep. them expanding into Toronto, going over the border. I mean, and now the 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 need to, as we expressed, you know, expand westward slowly. Um, but it, it, there is a market here. There is a there is fan interest here, and if the talent is going to keep shining through, and the local talent that's being drafted is directing these teams into the playoffs and into the championship. I, I mean, the growth is going to be fabulous, I think. And these young women are just, you read the articles and, and how excited they are to play close to home. I mean, 
how nice is it to come home, uh, you know, from a road trip, whether it's Boston or Minnesota, whatever, to come home and and that's your home team, and you're playing at home and you get to go home every night and and, and have yourself some chicken soup or whatever. I mean, instead of having to go to a Boston or whatever and then making your way home once every you know once a week or once every couple of weeks or however it works uh, i'd have to go and look at their schedule and see how long they're away i i mean yeah is there is there issues with uh, how much scouting they are they are allowed or or can possibly do i still think that there's a little bit of that in there It's. I mean, they aren't the NHL yet. They don't have. Uh, I can't imagine that they have uh, the vast number of scouts that they can be scouting Europe, as well as the entirety of North America. Well, I mean, the the scope is limited. I mean, there's. I think there's well over a hundred uh, Division One um, college hockey uh, teams for on the men's side, plus you know the various junior hockey leagues. Um, there's only uh, about 40 odd uh, women's college programs, uh, so it's it, it is a smaller pool. Um, you know, there's there's what five six major divisions. Uh, there's the WCHA uh, on the women's side, uh, New England Hockey Alliance um, or New England Women's Hockey Alliance, ECAC, call, uh, CHA, and then uh, Hockey East. Um, which, uh, gives more people local teams than they really, really thought they had, because I honestly, off the top of my head was not aware that, um, not aware that Holy Cross actually had a women's hockey team. Um, and once you get out to, once you get out, uh, of new England, uh, my awareness is probably a little bit lower. Um, I had heard of, you know, obviously the ECAC, I'd heard of several of those, but, uh, there's a lot of hockey in the Northeast, uh, a lot of women's hockey in the Northeast. Uh, no, I get that. But I mean, it, we talked about a few weeks ago, we talked about, um, best women's player. Uh, well, they said in the world, but she's, um, yes. from, from your, uh, Jenny, Jenny Hiracott. I don't want to screw up. Jenny Hirakoski, greatest female player to come out of Europe. We talked about it back, uh, actually, more like a month ago, April tw- the April 12th show. Uh, so clearly there's talent in Europe as well, and I don't know how many Europeans. I'd have to go back and study the, the complete NWHL draft, but I don't know how many Europeans were taken. That I would love to look at. Um, I doubt it was many. Um but uh, it would be fascinating to see. And I'm just thinking that in terms of, of seeing the the European players, that takes scouting. And, and uh, I think that might be another avenue of growth for the NWHL is, is just how much scouting can they do on the budgets that they currently have. But other than that, this is a fabulous story. I mean, getting to play at home and, 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 and or, or play with the local team as opposed to going off to somewhere new you're playing with uh, in terms of the Whitecaps playing with 
players that you're already familiar with. I mean, that's a fabulous leg up on on drafting in new players that are coming to a new get acclimated to a new city, get acclimated to a new coach, a new team, uh, a new playing style. When you can eliminate one of those, when you eliminate one of those factors or reduce the uh, complexity of one of those factors, it's only going to help you and the player, uh, the team and the player that much more. I look forward to it. I think they need to. I, I think one of the things that would help them is is getting them on on television somewhere as well. Whether it's getting getting a, a weekly game on Nesson or something, or, I, it would be it would be wonderful be, to get a national contract. But I don't think that's going to happen until they get to, I don't know, at least ten teams or something like that. Um, I don't know that they need to get to ten teams. I mean, there's so met. There's literally so many. Uh, outlets for sports uh, for TV. Get, um, get, get, and it, get, get the NHL network to show uh, a weekly a weekly game or, or, or um, maybe like ESPN two or something like that. You know, get the four letter network involved, something like that. Just get them a little bit more recognition. I mean, the more FaceTime they get with the public, the the better it's going to be for them. I mean, there's, what is it, uh, own network uh, for women. You know, maybe they make a deal to have one or two games a week on there. Um, yeah, but yes, the four-letter network and its 27,000 offshoots, um, the NHL network, those all work. Uh, but there's a couple of other, uh, there's a couple of other options, you know. I'm not sure that they're going to be able to push their way into, like, USA or TNT, uh, in the next couple of years, but um, you never know. I I I'd, I'd watch. <laughs> I, I mean, particularly <laughs> if you can turn it into an event like you know sa- uh, Saturday night hockey is or hockey night in Canada. If you can turn it into that level of spectacle um, and produce competitive games uh, uh, regularly and have compelling content both during the game to complement the ice play and during the intermissions, um, then you, you've got a recipe for success. Um, I don't think you can do it with the slapdashery we normally see during uh, uh, the NHL games, um, particularly the midseason when some of the teams playing we've known have been out of the race since, you know, training camp. Um, but if you can make it a compelling game, uh, if you make a compelling product, people will watch. Absolutely. And if you work some sort of deals, uh, with, with, I don't know, the movie studios or maybe, maybe, maybe given who some of the owners are, maybe they start their own channel. And they get it, they get, you know, a $4 subscription, a $4 a month subscription app that gets you all the, all the games on your TV or, um, your tablet or however you want to watch it, or they get added to, you know, Hulu live and, or Google, uh, Google TV, stuff like that. Um, I think, I think 
big part of the strategy, especially considering you're really aiming at, I mean, it's not just the hardcore uh, midlife adult sports fans that you're aiming at. You're aiming at very young, uh, uh, you know, 10 to 25 year olds. Uh, if you want to have a future, um, you have to put it someplace that they're actually going to look. And a lot of younger people don't have a regular cable or satellite service. They yeah. have, they have Hulu, they have, uh, Netflix, they have, uh, you know, uh, Disney plus, um, or ESPN plus, whichever, uh, if you can get into a couple of services like that or create your own, that's super easy to use high quality and not expensive. Um, you, you may, you may well have something that's, uh, that's going to take you, uh, to the front of the pack. I mean, it would be really awesome if women's hockey could surpass women's basketball um, over the next three to five years. I think it's a better sport. Um, both have produced really good athletes. Um, so it, it really comes down to execution, execution, execution. The uh, NWHL and women's hockey as a whole, whatever form it, looks, it has in 10 years, have basically a blank slate without a history of mistakes to work with as far as building the brand. Um, I think that they need to find someone who's as, or need to find several someone's who are as committed to building, building a legacy versus simply building ad revenue. I mean, the ad revenue is important, but you need to not be clickbaity. You need to actually have substance about the sport, about the players, about the interactions uh, between players, coaches, general managers, um, with both with each other, with their peers, um, and uh, you need those. You need some of those fun mentorship stories. Those uh, gritty. Greg Campbell breaks his leg and finishes his shift stories in order to establish the legend of women's hockey, as well as the fact, because as we see in many, many things in life, the emotional content is, or the emotional weight generally outstrips the intellectual knowledge. By the way, uh, and I did not know this, I, I have to say, but uh, we, we, we got all excited about about Vegas and their expansion, um, their inaugural season, and making it all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, the Minnesota Whitecaps were added to the NWHL in 2017-18. Yep. 2018-19, excuse me. Uh, so that's their inaugural season, and they won the Isobel Cup, their championship. Now, granted, they don't play 82 games in a season. They play less, but still, we talk about we talk about the Vegas and making it all the way to the finals in, in, in their league, but yet Minnesota Whitecaps were able to actually win the championship in their inaugural season. So congratulations to them. I apologize for missing it uh, last season or two seasons ago. Uh, 
but uh, not a small feat, even if it is only five. Even if it is only five teams, the travel that they do. I mean, they go Buffalo, Connecticut. Uh, what is it? Buffalo, Connecticut. Uh, Boston, Minnesota. Boston, Minnesota, and I'm not. Oh, where it, is the metropolitan? Is that yeah, the Metropolitans. They were actually in New Jersey. The Metropolitan Riveters. Yes. So I mean, it, I'm, we're not talking crisscrossing the country here, but I mean, it's still not easy to. It's still not easy to to do all that kind of travel. So. Nope. I think it will be fun to watch, and I think as it'll be fun to watch this this league grow and and get itself into double digit teams at some point. And Even if they don't get to double digit teams right away, they. I'm not saying it's urgent. I'm just thinking that that's it's some that's got to be a goal to, at some point. Oh, absolutely! But they have to they have to maintain quality. I mean, they can't afford to have the mid 90s or late 90s to early 2000s um, NBA franchise moving or changing names every two years or even every year streak that uh, they had. I mean, team, there was a team that moved in and out of Seattle. There was another team that moved. uh, Didn't Utah move a couple of times? And there were even rumors, not very strong rumors, but that the Chicago Bulls were going to move at one point. Um, the Pelicans, the, yeah, there was, there was all that sort of nonsense throughout the nineties and it, it's not good for the league. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, I don't anticipate a lot of, I mean, I, I don't know a lot about the league, and the more I read into it, I don't anticipate that there's going to be a lot of moving and a lot of name changing. Uh, from from the looks of it, it looks like they're doing it right. I hope so. And we should probably take in a game. <laughs> uh, I think that can probably be arranged. I mean, it. It is a terribly long uh, drive to I, the the Warrior Arena is just so hard to get. To. I mean, yeah. Wait a minute, how many losses did they had one loss? Am I reading this correctly? <laughs> Boston had one loss on the season. Yeah, they they were they were an okay team. And the one loss was to the team they're going to play in the final, the Minnesota Whitecaps. <laughs> All right. What else have we got here? Um, let's see. Oh, while we're talking uh, about the 2020 draft, um, the Riveters wasted no time in uh, – in signing uh, Soroya Tinker, their fourth round draft pick, um, she's a Yale. Uh, she's out of Yale. Um, look her up; should be fairly interesting uh, story. Uh, what else is there to talk to? What else is there to talk to? Um, why, why don't you jump in on uh, something? Pick one. Ah. Uh. Well, I'm 
I'm all about talking about goaltenders, and since we're here in the Northeast, let's talk about Mr. Tyler Wall. Ah, yes. Uh, Tyler Wall, uh, the the uh, now Rivercap alumni. Um, that was his car. That was his uh, moving van going by. Um, <laughs> Tyler Wall I, seems to have. Uh, yeah, I was going to say he seemed to. He seems to have inked his entry level deal with the New York Rangers. Uh, he's at at UMass Lowell. I'm wondering about that second season. I don't know if it was full or not. According to the according to this, he only played in 12 games in his sophomore season. I'm just wondering if there wasn't an there injury was a, or something. I believe there was an injury. Um, I mean, his numbers are. Uh, you want to talk about numbers by far? Yeah, but they, they're so far that they're and they're off the scale. You just can't. You just literally have to ignore them. Because so, as a freshman, 206 goals against with a 918. Junior 209 goals against with a 921. Senior 210 goals against with a 931. And that sophomore season, he only played in 12 games, and he had he almost doubled those numbers at a 3.98. That's so far off the charts that you almost have to throw those numbers out. Uh, I mean, you really, I I can't even, I don't know that anyone actually believes that that's a representative sample uh, that season. 868 save percentage. I mean, as a rookie, uh, like a freshman, he played. And remember, he graduated at 22 years of age. So he entered at 18, 19 years of age. It's not like he was a 21-year-old freshman. He went in and played 37 games as a freshman, a true freshman-ish, and played uh, and had had a 918 save percentage. That's I'll bet a it's, lot of mileage. I'll bet his sophomore season scared the Rangers a little bit. I mean, they drafted him in the 2016 draft. Yeah. So seeing the numbers that he put up as a freshman and the numbers that he put up in the minor in in the minor leagues and what, and then all of a sudden coming out sophomore season and and oh my goodness, uh, Rangers might have been a little scared. But then he comes back for his for his junior and senior years. I mean, this is a kid that I can't say I've seen a whole lot of him because I haven't been to a whole lot of Riverhawks games. And that's something we need to remedy next season because they're so easy to get to <laughs> from where kinda you like, work, from where your day like, job is, from where my day job is uh, there. Yeah. Kind of like the warrior ice arena uh, that that would actually be more difficult to get to than 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 Lowell. Yes. Yes. So we're going to so, have to commit to like three Lowell games next year. So with the signing of this young man. They, they've added to their goalie depth, and this is a team that actually not only ran two goaltenders, but they were actually running the triumvirate in, in New York because they had Lundqvist, they had Georgiev as the backup, and then they bring yep. up Shesterkin and immediately name him as the starter. So they're running three goaltenders through, uh, through, through New York uh, before the season was paused. I, and... Looking at their looking at their depth, I mean, is this a is this a situation where is Lundqvist sticking around much longer? I mean, clearly at thirty seven. Well, we know he's not going to play ten more years. I mean, we can be pretty certain that Henrik Lundqvist is not playing ten additional seasons. You don't think so? Um, <laughs> if, if if he does play ten additional seasons, it's 
Uh, I'm guessing that no more than three of them will be in the NHL. Uh, it's a tough call. I don't think he's going to be playing 10 more seasons. My question is, is he even going to be playing two more seasons? Because at some point you got to, you've got to make a decision here. I mean, I understand that the guy is, is, I understand Um, that the guy is, is, is is Rangers, but you've had Gyorgiev now for, I want to say the better part of two seasons as the backup. Uh, this Shesterkin kid looks like he might be for real, but it's a small sample size. But his numbers in the minors are, are better than good. After him, though, the drop-off is kind of... Isn't that uh, damning with faint praise? <laughs> I mean, you could call them aggressively okay, or... Well... I don't know where did he play. His microscope is second best in league history. Um, yeah, in the KHL, and I, I have never seen a KHL game. I don't know how strong it is defensively or offensively. I'm going to guess that the way the Russians play, it's probably an offensive league. But this kid in 2018-19, uh, in his stint with the KHL, was 24-4 and in 28 games. His goals against was a 1.11, and his save percentage was 9.53. And then while he was with the Rangers this this current season, he had run off a 10-game win streak, I believe it was. I mean, minuscule numbers and then got hurt in the car accident. Yeah. Uh, I think the kid is for real, but... Who, At some uh, point, some Shesterkin, Shesterkin, yeah, Shesterkin, Igor, Igor Shesterkin. He, he's currently the number one because Dan Quinn named him the number one, which uh, I think is kind of dangerous. I mean, if you going back through the from the seventeen eighteen season through present, um, if you look at games played uh, for everyone who played more than ten or more than twelve games in that period, there's four goaltenders one of whom is Andrzej uh, Pavlik, who's no longer there. But um, Shesterkin um, only played the 12 games, 932 save percentage. Fairly not good. Uh, I mean... 932 just, save percentage? Yeah, it's I terrible. Mean, well, it, as a sample size, it's not good. He's only played 12 games. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Georgiev... Uh, 913 save percentage behind what we know is not a solid defense. Um, for, Improving, uh, though. I mean, it's not a solid defense. It's a young it, – well, it's somewhat young defense. I mean, we already it's talked not, about Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox. But it, it's not good now. It wasn't good a year ago. Fair uh, enough. Lundquist, Lund, the difference between Lundquist and Georgiev isn't great. I mean – Lundqvist played about almost twice as many minutes Um, uh, in the past three seasons. He's played 145 of their games, 910 save percentage uh, when you average the three years. Um, One less shutout than than, uh, Georgiev and uh, Shesterkin had zero shutouts in that time. 
Um, and uh, Lundquist managed to pick up five assists. Uh, Overall, as a team, though, how many shutouts do they have? I mean, in all seriousness. Uh, in those three years, it's a total of eight. Uh, three for Lundquist, four for Georgiev, and zero for uh, Igor. So in three years, they've had only eight shutouts total. Yes. And Shesterkin has only played in 12 games out of those three years. Yes. And you're bad-mouthing Shesterkin? Am I missing something? Uh, all I'm saying is he's had a ridiculously small sample size. 12 games okay. is nothing. I, can I mean, agree it's with literally that. only two games above the threshold for establishing a contract season uh, in the NHL for a rookie or someone on their entry-level contract. Okay. I can agree with I mean, I, I just – I questioned it when Dan Quinn first did it. You brought up this young kid, but you bring up this young kid and then immediately to say, okay, he's our number one. Uh, it worries me because – what kind of confident if I'm if I'm Georgiev, not necessarily Lundqvist, he's been around long enough. He knows what he's capable of. Uh, but for Georgiev, is that a confidence breaker from the head coach to find out that, OK, I've been up here for three years and yet this kid that hasn't been around is suddenly the number one goaltender? Um, I don't know. I thought Georgiev was out. No, Georgiev was uh, – well, he wasn't playing well, but, again, the the defense on that team is somewhat <laughs> below the top half of the league. Okay. An interesting way to put it. Um, and when there's no book on you because you haven't played in the league yet and no one's got a chance to scout you, you're going to you're gonna sneak in some games. You're going to sneak in some wins. A 932 save percentage is awesome, um, but it's, you know, we've seen goaltenders have really hot streaks that lasted a month, a month and a half, and then nothing. Okay. So back to back to the Rangers and their... The Rangers and their, and their de- depth and their, situation? Yeah. And their depth situation then, because after, after Shesterkin, you've got a kid by the name of Adam Huska... Yep. Uh, who, based on this article, is not uh, – he's 22 years old. I mean, kind of a big kid out of Slovakia. Um, he was drafted in the seventh round back in 2015. He spent most of his time in – he actually played here at the University of Connecticut, so another another Northeastern yep, province. Um, but his numbers in the AHL, not, uh, they've come down with more playing time. And I think that might have something to do with it as well. But he spent, he spent a total of, uh, 37 games and his goals against is north of north of three and his save percentage is south of 90. So I don't know uh, that they're going to be relying on him much. Um, I think that that's one of those, I think, well, I suspect that there's a good part of the equation there that's organizational because the Rangers have been making big trades, uh, whenever they thought they could get a sniff at the playoffs the last decade. 
And um, I, I really don't think that their defensive depth is all that great uh, organizationally. Then they've listed a kid by the name of Olaf Lindblom, who's 19 years old. Uh, if you go to Cap Friendly, he's not even listed there. Uh, he's probably on their non-roster reserve list, which is a marvelous way of saying we're not paying him, but you can't talk to him. I'm just wondering if he's still in Sweden. Uh, and then they, like I said, just recently signed Tyler Wall, who seems to be putting up good numbers. Has Tyler Wall kind of vaulted himself to the top of the uh, – without having actually played a game in the AHL – or the N or the NHL has he vaulted himself to the top of the prospect goaltending list for the for the New York Rangers? <laughs> I mean, given that JF Barubi is already is a part of the list uh, as well, I mean Barubi is not going to be winning any starting jobs on a team that actually wishes to compete for well any given game. Um, and I suspect that. He's going to get looked at, but I, I, I don't think they're going to rush him to, uh, to the NHL. Uh, I did read another story earlier today on them saying that uh, he wants to, um, he, he's just concentrated on his, t- uh, not Ruby on, on Tyler Wall. He's just concentrating on taking his time getting to the NHL. I suspect they've already told him, look, uh, put in a good year in the AHL, you know, win the starting job, come back and show that you applied those lessons in the offseason and we'll we'll give you a serious hard look um, in in camp after that. So leads me to my final question. Yep. With the questionable I, I mean and, and i say questionable only because we haven't seen tyler wall in anything except a college uniform or a college sweater but yep. my final question would be back in 2017 they traded away auntie ranta and derek stepan to the coyotes for tony d'angelo and a first round pick that became leas anderson did they screw up They didn't win. Uh, I, as I recall it, they were not in the best of cap spaces at that point. Um, but I think that the Rangers have not drafted well in recent years anyways. Uh, most of the uh, – several of the best players who were on their roster uh, were guys that you know came in from trades. I mean, he had just finished two seasons with the Rangers where – Looking at his numbers, his goals against was a 2.26 for the two seasons. Uh, he had played a total of 50, uh, 53 games. And his goals against for those two seasons, 2.26, uh, save percentage of around 921 with, uh, uh, oh yeah, five shutouts. And then you turn around and trade him away. Uh, oh. And Here's since the then, what have you had in net besides Lundqvist, really? Not, you've had okay. 
I mean, that's, but the problem is you had Lundquist with a big contract for a number of years that, that yeah. made him eventually, essentially unmovable. Were you going to pay 13, 18 million or 13 to 16 million uh, for your goaltending? Not if you want to succeed. No, and I understand that. I, I, I'm not, I, if the move had to be made, the move had to be made. I'm just, in hindsight, looking, all you've had since then is Lundquist and a rotating collection of backups that either haven't stuck around or haven't performed or combination of both. Uh, I mean, you could ultimately turn around and say, did Chicago screw up by trading him away for, for Ryan Haggerty? <laughs> Um, probably yes. <laughs> there you go. So the problem didn't start with the Rangers. It actually started with the Blackhawks who dealt them away, the, who were the first team to dealt, deal them away. Uh, do we want to get into this Leipzig thing? Briefly, because I find the whole thing multiple annoying in multiple ways. Uh, Brendan Leipzig was uh, unconditionally released by the Washington Capitals for stupid and remarkably callous comments. Uh, did, they, did they actually put that in the press release? We are releasing Brian. We are releasing Brendan Leipzig for being stupid. Um, they didn't quite call it that, but I, I think I've summarized it fairly nicely. Excellent. Um, <laughs> as stupid and it, as stupid as what he said was, and it was still a conversation he expected to remain private, and I don't think that you're going to see a stop to stuff like – an end to stuff like this being leaked. And let's face it, people are leaking it deliberately to cause other people harm um, until people can be prosecuted or sued successfully for the damage that they cause. Uh, the only problem is the person who person or persons who leaked the comments that Leipzig made also took down their account. Now, uh, I'm sure but there are forensic. That person, uh, that person claims that they were hacked, uh, but um, here, assuming it was a, assuming it actually was a hacker. Um, you're do, you're not doing it for justice. You're doing it because you know it's going to hurt people. You Agreed. hurt you hurt the coworkers of uh, Leipzig because if they don't know, they can't think about it. You hurt the girlfriends, wives, whoever of those people because if they haven't heard it, they they're not going to be upset by it. Um, and quite frankly, what quite frankly if they already if they liked him you're 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 absolutely doing damage to him if they didn't uh, to the others forget him if they didn't like him you're not telling him any telling them anything they don't already know like this is this is all about someone this is all about two stupid people one person being stupid in private because it's just what they are, and one person <clears throat> greatly enjoying 
mm-hmm. making other people look bad because it it makes them feel powerful. But the problem that's it. So, are we saying um, ignorance is bliss here? I mean, if we didn't know, if we, if it wasn't leaked, we wouldn't know. I mean, if it wasn't leaked, we we wouldn't know. And you're doing you're doing actual harm versus potential harm. And actual harm is real, and potential harm might be. Okay. I mean, I, I'm not quite sure how I feel about this because part of me, part of me want, part of me thinks that it was wrong for these to come out because of how they came out. I mean, but another part of me thinks that if he's walking around saying these things in private, he's thinking them, and at some point, it's going to be an issue. Is it? And have we cut it? Have we Is nipped it? it in the bud by? Is it? Every single person on the planet over the age of 10 has said at some point or another that they were going to punch, kick, or kill someone else. Like, legitimately everyone else. If the murder rate were actually equal to the number of people who think horrible, vicious things about other people, there wouldn't be any people left on the damn planet. Agreed. I didn't, I didn't say people, I agreed with them. People I, say I, in... People say and do stupid and callous things because, well, most people are pretty stupid and pretty callous. That doesn't mean uh, people say these things, but that doesn't mean they're actually going to do anything negative. It's just a human stupid. It's as inevitable as some of us are klutzes physically and, you know, or like every person who wears glasses has at some point spent 25 minutes or longer looking for them when they're either sitting on the top of their head or hanging by their glasses cord around their neck. It's just the way it works. And and, and the kicker is that it's not just affecting Brendan here and his NHL contract. Nope. It's also affected his younger brother who got kicked off of his team. Yep. Uh, which, and by the way, he's in college. Yeah. Yeah. Which um, I – if you're really trying to attack Brendan Leipzig, if that's the person who was the target of this, collateral damage, not cool. You can find some other way. If someone is that big of a butthead, you can find some other way of taking them down. It's like I told bigots a couple of dozen times, if you can't find something, you can't find a better reason for disliking me than the color of my skin, you're probably not trying very hard. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's, there's plenty to like there. Maybe we can. Uh, I Next. don't know. Um. Let's uh, actually let's go with the uh, draft idea that um, actually one of my one of the people I find most interesting in hockey uh, posted okay. a couple of days ago. Dominic Tiano at Dominic Tiano uh, T I A N O on uh, Twitter um, on the third tweeted 
this will get nothing but hate, but hey, never stopped me before. How I handle the the NHL draft. Cancel the 2021, the 2020 draft. Players get rolled into the 2021 draft. Cancel. Raise, raise, raise draft age to 19. Any 2020 picks become 20. Uh, any 2020 picks traded become 2021 traded. For 2021 only, draft is nine rounds. There's a lot to break down in that 200 right. plus characters. Here's my first problem. <clears throat> what if I traded somebody? Because it says any 2020 picks become 2021. Yep. What if two teams trade? You know, one team trades a number one pick to another team for 2020, and somebody else traded the 2021 pick. And it would have been – how do you work that out? Because – You don't. You, you just don't. I mean I think the idea is unworkable, but that's not even the more interesting part. There's, 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 I mean we're talking about uh, – we're talking about a, a time-space time continuum and two people clashing at the same time or two draft picks clashing at the same time. Because if I traded my 2020 pick to one team and my 2021 first round pick to another team, but now they're all in the same draft. Yeah, I mean, this isn't this so isn't going back in <laughs> this isn't going back in time and killing your own grandfather. This is going back in time and slapping yourself when you're about to do something stupid in sixth grade. Um, it, it just no, it, it doesn't work. Um, but the draft age to 19 because that's the only way you're going to actually fit all fit most of the kids who are canceled from the 2020 draft into the 2021 draft. But you'd have to raise the, under, the draft age. Yes, here's one of the underlying things that he's very strongly hinting at, and he covers the OHL. Um, that's his stomping grounds, but okay. not actually saying. You know what he's yeah, we've we've talked about this a little bit. We haven't actually come out and said it. Mm-hmm. But um, he's saying, write this down, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I got my put pencil it, ready. Put it in a file, set a, cal- set a calendar note for five years, um, and come back with a link to this show. Because I'm saying it right here, right now. Listen, listen, listen. The 2020 prospect pool kind of sucks. <laughs> This is not going to be a draft that produces five or 10 or 12 Hall of Famers. I know we just got through redoing the golden draft where, what, 15 guys are probably going to the Hall of Fame and you can make a case for for six or eight more. Um, And how many guys from that draft are going to get uh, probably going to get their jersey raised and their number retired? Is it more than 30? It might actually be more than 30, um, depending on the franchises, because some of those franchises have mm, not a great deal of history. Um, So the bar is a little tiny bit lower. But I've said this for most of the last year. So is this a way is this a way to uh, effectively move kids down that would be drafted in the first round that wouldn't normally be first round kids? Yeah, it, it, you're absolutely saying um, that a lot of the first rounders this year, a lot of the second rounders here two years ago would have been third round picks or compared to next year's picks might be fourth round picks. 
I mean, just saying. I think, De- I think Detroit's pretty dead set about drafting Alex Lapreniere. Which, which is fine. The, I, I think the- after him, the drop off, after the first like three picks or something like that, the drop off is noticeable. Any draft year, any draft year, even draft years that are not great, like that two south. 2007 draft uh was it 2007 the zach hamill year oh god yeah i think it was that that was not a good draft um but every draft year there's at least five or six players in the first two rounds who genuinely deserve to be somewhere in that top 60 picks the top two uh the top two rounds are you saying that Zach Hamill shouldn't have been taken eighth overall? I'm saying that <laughs> you can make a very strong argument that a guy who only who played 20 NHL games across three seasons um, mm-hmm. probably shouldn't have been taken. Wait, wait, wait. So instead of Traded, instead of the guy after twice. him, instead of the guy after him, uh, Logan Couture. Uh, was taken immediately after Zach Hamill. You don't think that the San Jose general manager at the time wasn't uh, running up to the stage, kind of like uh, uh, Chiapet back in 09? <laughs> oh, I have never seen anything funnier at a draft than than Chiapet uh, uh, attempting not to giggle as he's taking the microphone because... Well, we're talking about Doug Wilson... Waiting on waiting on uh, the Bruins to make their pick. Doug Wilson's sitting there at nine going, mm-hmm. And then he hears Zach Hamill. You don't think that Doug Wilson sprinted up to that stage and said, we want Logan Couture. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you've got – okay. So pick, the, pick your top five whatever players in this draft. Uh, okay, it's 2007 draft. We're 13 seasons later. Well, yeah. I don't want to do the whole one player. Draft, one but. player from the draft has crossed a thousand points. That you would be Patrick, uh, Kane. Patrick Kane, who was taken number one overall, and rightly so. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's zero question that he should have been taken. Do I like PK Subban? Absolutely. Do I like? Uh, do I think Jakub Voracek um, is a solid NHL player? Yes. But the drop off between. 1,022 points in 972 games and 695 points in 915 games is a little tiny bit steep. <laughs> I mean, the next best player in the draft uh, at number is probably, at least among forwards, is Jamie Benn. 688 points in 814 games. And his point production has kind of picked up since he's had a certain former Boston Bruin uh, on the ice with him. Um, but the rest it's, of the draft, there's there's some solid pieces, but I mean, it, Wayne just, Simmons is in the top ten uh, for goal, for points uh, in, in, in this in, draft in 07. In 07, he yeah. was drafted at the end of the second round. Bruins did not have a good game. Bruins did not have a good 07 draft. No, but when you're top ten and under. Yeah half a point per game in your draft class as a forward? Mm, no. I mean, there are guys in this league. I mean, 
Alex Killorn went in the third round. They could have had him. I mean, you could have taken almost anyone, but Zach oh, Hamill. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I I, I see Jake where you're Muzzin going. Went in the Jake Muzzin went in the fifth round, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind Jake Muzzin. <laughs> Alex Martinez. Alec Martinez went in the fourth round. Um, there's so many better players than what the Bruins ended up with. But David here's Perron. the thing. <laughs> no, they couldn't have taken him. I yeah, they could have. He, well, he went 26. They could have drafted him, and he oh. would have been more productive than Zach Hamill. Okay, that's that's a bit like saying being hit by a car that's moving 25 miles an hour is less bad than falling out of a 12-story window. Problem is, they're all left wings. There's still not any good right wings. No. (laughs) and The good right wing in this draft was actually taken number one. The second good right wing was taken the spot before them, uh, Jakob Voracek. (laughs) Uh, See, they should have taken Wayne Simmons that year. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Um, But... Back to my point, or back to the uh, Tiano's point. Yeah. Uh, his unstated point. The 2020 draft is not good. Got it. It's not going to be good. 2020 like, draft, not good. Legitimately, ladies and gentlemen, put this on your calendar in five years, come back, and you can all tweet me and tell me, Mike, you were right again. What is with you and the Mike, we are, Mike is right again? Knock it off. It's simple fact. <laughs> Okay, fine. Be like that. See, you're admitting it. Um, no, and- not really. <laughs> Although I have, I, I do have to say that this is not a strong draft. Um, <laughs> any anyone who wants to talk about this draft among our listeners, you know, if you're a scout, if you whether it's for one of the teams, Hockey Central, uh, one of the magazines. Uh, hit us up and uh, we can arrange a time to record, you know, 15, 20 minutes of uh, draft conversation because I really want to watch the draft. Uh, <laughs> takes. Um, Excuse me. I really don't think that I don't think that I'm, I don't think they're going to miss the draft. As far as I know, they're still having the draft. Yeah. Oh, and can we talk just for a second about um uh, other uh, teammates who might not be as popular, uh, possibly more popular than Brendan uh, Leipzig, but uh, sure, just for a minute. Sure. Who do you have in mind here? Um. Well, uh, there's the uh, real deal on the real deal. James Neal. Um. Hockey players love to talk about how awesome their teammates are, except for a few. And at <laughs> almost. Okay. Any opportunity, you'll find someone who will at least say something nice, even if it's pro forma, about a teammate or former teammate. Um, The absence of anything nice is honestly more shocking than actual bad content, uh, which is utterly rare. Um, So... Uh, Rasmus Anderson is is uh, is interviewed recently. Um, he's talking to Ryan Leslie. They talked about half a dozen things in the interview. 
Um, Leslie asks, uh, after one particular game, after the Neil trade, you know, a lot of times when guys are traded, um, the first game that they play, you'll see them uh, set, meet at center ice and start talking. Uh, there wasn't any of that for with James Neal. Rasmus Anderson absolutely stone-faced. Yep, none of that, and chuckles. And literally it. Like, we saw, uh, what was it, the the video series that they normally do leading up to uh, the New Year's Day uh, games, uh, the Winter Classic games, Road to the Winter Classic, uh, James Neal and how everyone twitted him about his hair um, going back to his time with the Penguins. Okay. Um, and he seemed to, in my opinion, he came across as slightly tone deaf uh, to the fact that everyone was twitting him about something. Normally, that happens here and there with people. I've spent a lot of time around a lot of people. Not, I don't live in locker rooms, but generally speaking, people will joke about multiple or mul- a, a group that big will joke about joke about multiple things mm-hmm. with someone. Usually, when everyone picks on one thing about something or someone, they don't like them. <laughs> so. Basically, what we're saying here. Basically, what we're saying here is the guy was maybe um, a goal scorer on the ice, and that's great. But in the locker room, he's a poisoner of cancer, and that's why Brad Living, who was given a ration of um, crud yeah. for trading James Neal for Milan Lucic. Uh, maybe Brad uh, had something else in mind. Like maybe we need a guy who's good in the locker room and it's going to cost us the same amount of money. And they had produced about the same amount that year too. So um, the actual money, the the quotes from uh, the article and the interview, you can find it over at hockey feed. Um, um, Leslie points out, None of that. You guys weren't going over and hugging James Neal. I can tell you that, uh, said Leslie. Anderson let out what can only be described as a disdainful chuckle before simply saying, no, no, we were not. They tried to get him back into further engagement with the uh, topic later in the video. And the magnificent side eye without actually twitching his eyes very much is really something to behold if you if you love watching just people watching it's it, it's really kind of glorious uh yeah and i guess we all need to give brad for living a little bit of leeway on this one all right from the sounds of it and none of this is is uh, we are just speculating it, as it, is leslie it's entirely Anderson. possible it's entirely possible that it was only Rasmus Anderson who didn't like James Neal. Um, but if the whole team didn't go over and I mean, yes, it's typical when a when a player who's been traded plays against his former team for the first time, there's usually either before the game and or after the game, there's usually some sort of camaraderie. They go over, shake hands, do a little laughing uh, and joking and whatnot. 
if there was none of that, it's not just Rasmus Anderson. If nobody from Calgary went over, if if nobody from Calgary went over to spend any time at all with James Neal, if James Neal just skated away. And that's the one thing that I didn't see in this article is, did James Neal skate off with his teammates immediately at the end of the game and they didn't have a chance to go talk to him? But again, are we stretching it? It sounds to me like there is something. I don't oh, want to read too much. There's into something it, but... there. And, you know, uh, they say actions speak louder than words. So do non-actions. And I would be I would be inclined to agree. Um, on there the topic is... of switching things up, you had yeah. another uh, you had another one that I really did want to talk about. OK, uh, I just want to mention this real quick because it, it, it live live show, but I don't want to spend a whole lot of time in it. But um, the Bruins drafted a kid by the name of Ben Sexton years ago. Yep. Um, and at 28 years of age, he has uh, officially retired from the NHL. Ouch. Uh, it's with a heavy heart that I am announcing my retirement from playing professional hockey after missing the 2019-20 season due to a concussion and having a prior history of the injury for my long-term health and growing family. It is in our best interest for me to step away from the game. I'd like to thank my family, friends, teammates, coaches, and organizations I've played for for helping me pursue my dream of playing in the NHL. I look forward to starting this next chapter of my life and giving back to the game I dearly love and has given me so much. Uh, this actually happened yesterday. After, this actually happened yesterday. Yep. In the middle of the shutdown, uh, concerns over his concerns over his concussion history and the fact that he hasn't played it all this season due to that. Um, spent the bulk of his career in the AHL. Um, Did get into two games for the Ottawa Senators in 1718. Um, uh, I just have to wish him the best. I thought he, I thought he had, uh, if not, I remember, I remember writing about him. I remember writing about him that he had the slickest hands I had seen. I mean, we saw him back in in one of the very first uh, development camps we went to. Yeah. And all I can remember was that he, his hand, his hands were amazing. Yeah. He had, he had solid hands and I, if I'm pretty certain he's the gentleman I remember as being a pretty solid body, like six feet, two Oh one. Like I remember him being just like physically solid, looking like the type of guy who could play, uh, who could play like running back uh, or, you know, or safety in the NFL. Uh, uh, listed at 5'11 bad. and 196 on, on, on hockey DB. I have cap friendly up, but yeah, whatever, either so, way. But seventh round pick uh, in the 2009 draft. I just, I just remember when I saw him, it, it, phenomenal hands, uh, decent skater, but his hands, uh, were just uh, probably his best feature as far as hockey skills and, and, and whatnot. I know he didn't get a chance to play here in Boston much. Uh, in fact, uh, at all. Yeah. Just the, just the Senator's time. Um, and here's an idea. Uh, and I would love to get some mailbag, uh, 
stuff on this for the next week's show. Um, yeah. You posted a story uh, from The Athletic about reopening trades. Yeah, I, I, I saw this... Uh, I saw this going through, and it, it aggravates me because The Athletic and I, their writing is very good. They have some of the best writers, but it's a pain in the butt when you go to click on a link and it says you got to sign up and this and that. So I finally broke down. There it is. Um, down Goes Brown. This is written by Sean McIndoe back on May 4th. It's kind of out there. I like it. I, it's kind of like Tiano offering up an idea for the draft. This whole thing of, of canceling the trade deadlines and go back to wheeling and dealing. And uh, you know why it works for me? No, I was actually trying to figure that one out when you said it to me at the beginning of the show. It works for me because of the amount of pl- the number of players who have either uh, who have become healthy since this sense the pause i was there, thinking it, i was actually thinking of the very same thing yeah who, who will who will have or should have come off of the injured reserve and that just changes the equation entirely um there's going to be some teams who would struggle to be cap compliant if the season were to be played out to the full 82 um there's multiple ideas on what will actually happen including uh, three ser- three game uh, play-ins for uh, with a 24 team uh, play or 24 team format um, uh, and that's going to affect how the NHL draft is going to look I don't know how that's going to what that's going to be um, I think that maybe the fairest thing to do would be to Take the non-playoff teams, put them in order, leave them in order. Um, take the two playoff teams. Uh, everyone who makes it out of the first round goes into one pool. Everyone who makes it, who dies in the first round, um, you sort them by regular season, um, uh, by regular either regular season, um, sorry. You sort them by regular season points. Yeah. And you give them a number of opportunities to move up based on their goal potential. Everyone starts with four balls in a pool of X. Um, you know, for every, if you had, if you were minus five goals in your first round series, you lose all five balls. If you somehow <laughs> manage to be plus two uh, and lose the series, you end up with seven balls in the pool. Um, and something similar uh, that and you can move up to you can move up as many as like five or six bases and do the same thing for the bottom uh, for that bottom eight or for that eight who make it out of the first round. Uh, I'm still trying to focus on how to redo this trade thing. And you, you but talking. as far as trades, um, I, I want to know, what, I wanna know is- what trades people would want to see. My favorite thing is he says, how would this work? Very next line. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I, but, I, it, it, but the idea is that even though the NHL has a trade deadline and he's right, if you read the article, it used to be uh, the trade deadline in the season. Teams had teams only played like 
somewhere around 62, 63, 64 games. Now the trade deadline is so late in the season that they're they're pushing like 70 games. We're talking like 12 to 14 games left in the season before they. Yeah, but if you go back 10 years, that's where that's where it used to be. It used to be the end of March, not the end of February. But the thing is, there isn't really a trade deadline. The, the teams can still make trades after that day. It's just that those players can't be on the playoff and roster it, uh, if we make playoff the playoffs. Roster. Which I I can I guess I can understand. Um, but I would still I still think that in this situation, um, for two reasons, uh, or maybe it's three reasons. One starting with the players now healthy. Um, there's a lot of reason to uh, to do this, and he mentions one of them in his article, and that's because fans love it. And quite frankly, hockey fans are starved for anything hockey related at this point, and the fact that players could be traded with essentially a second trade deadline, maybe only five or six trades happen, but it's going to generate buzz, which the league actually really, really is going to desperately need. Um, and it's, it's going to set, it's going to, it's going to even impact the expansion draft going forward because a team that didn't feel it was in a position to move a player back in February might feel they are in that position now. Uh, my one of their object, one of his objections is objection two. There's no point. Everyone who was going to get traded already did get traded. No, people got it. <laughs> sellers could now be buyers. Other sellers who couldn't find a market for certain players. But my favorite part about this is this last two sentence thing right here. Also, Joe Thornton didn't get traded to a contender in February, and it made him sad. I say we reopen trading and keep it open until the Sharks get the message and do the right thing. <laughs> Wait, the, the the Sharks aren't aren't contender? Are you sure? Well, they are in the West, but they are a California team, and if, as we've discussed many times, unless you if you're in if you're out West, you have a chance at the playoffs, unless you're a California team. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, we all know that the that Boston should be picking up a right wing and, and not a six foot five, thirty seven year old or thirty nine year old um, center. But it, it, it would make it would make for a good uh, full circle career story for uh, for Jumbo. And it would give him that one. And it would give him that thing that Ray. And it would give him that thing that Ray Bork ended up getting traded from Boston to get, or a chance at it at least. Uh, that would be the Stanley Cup. Uh, yes, and that there's, that would be that's the other part of the good story. Oh, did I get something that I said I was going to say or no? Uh, I don't remember at this point. Third thing. Third thing. Third thing. Um. Uh, I think it genuinely repositions and the league a little bit for the better. But the um, league is all—I mean—but the league is also looking at uh, many options of what to do once the once they hit play. Uh, I know we're in pause mode, but once they hit play again, hit that A button, and bring the league back, they're looking at just going to a 2014 playoff as one of as yes. one of their options. Uh, having a trade, having a, a reopened trade market before then, 
almost repositions the teams that are going to be in that 24. Yes. And it makes it more exciting. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. But as he says in this article, hmm, I'll concede that just because it's fun isn't a convincing argument all on its own. <laughs> um, buzz generation and uh, buzz generation is a good enough reason at this point. You don't have to sell me. I think I'd like to see this. I want to see if the Coyotes would turn around and try to trade Taylor Hall somewhere else. Especially since Taylor Hall is probably healthy now. Um, if someone could pick up Taylor Hall for a song or a dance without having to give up both, but if he's I think healthy someone now, would pick up Taylor Hall. But if he's healthy now and they go into a 24-game playoff, the Coyotes are in. They may want to hang on to Taylor Hall. So, I, I, yeah, it's already got us talking about potentials. Imagine what it could do for the other 23 teams. And on that note, let us know what you think, boys and girls. (laughs) Because this might actually – this actually has a chance. I mean he says at the end that there's there's no chance this is actually going to happen. But I think that this and Dominic Tiano's version of what to do with the draft are equally possible. And by saying equally possible, you're saying neither one is going to happen. I'm saying that we should play Vince McMahon's uh, theme music uh, as we're talking about them. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, again, uh, this is our Mother's Day edition. Thank you. Uh, You're welcome. Happy Mother's Day to everybody out there. Um, uh, If you have something uh, you want to share with us, those two at twoman4check.com. You can hit me at uh, PuckSage on Twitter, uh, slash PuckSage on Facebook, twoman4check.com, the twoman4check page on Twitter, uh, I'm sorry, on Facebook, um, and Chris? Yes. Where can they find you? You can find me at the Offwing on Twitter, at twoman4check on Facebook, at uh, the Offwing... I forget how to say the. Is it slash? Uh, the slash the, yeah. And slash two man four check on Facebook and at two and at the off wing and at two man four check on Twitter. Working on yes. on rebooting the the off wing dot com uh, at the moment. Seems to be having a little bit of technical difficulty, but we'll get that squared away. Okay, um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. As always, have an awesome awesome week. Um, and we will be back next week with all of our usual, uh, bravo, uh, bravo flair. Take care.